Hey guys, welcome to the show today. We have Candace Owens, who was at the Texas Youth Summit on September 18th. And the great thing about this interview is I get to ask her some questions that I've been wondering about, and you get to hear some of the questions from the youth. And we had so many youth there, lines out the door, hundreds more on the waiting list to be a part of this great event where we educated youth on conservative principles and explained to them how they can get more involved in the political process. Well, Candace Owens is doing a great job throughout the country with Blexit. She's founded Blexit to help African-American people exit the Democrat Party and vote uh, their values, which is aligned with conservative principles and more often than not the Republican Party. And she's also written a book, Blackout, and it explains a little bit about her life story and also her message. So I'm excited to share this interview with you. Um, if you enjoy this interview, please give it five stars and write a review and make sure that you tell others to subscribe. All right. Thank you, guys. So the way that I'd like to do this is I'm going to ask a few questions, and then I want you guys, you see these microphones, and I guess that's my right, but your left and the other side, I'd like for you guys to come up and ask a few questions. Do it in an orderly way, but um, let's, let's do that in just a second. But, but Candace, you have such a great message. What can you tell young people specifically about taking risks, taking chances, and uh, getting out there and making a difference? I, I know that you probably never imagined you'd be doing all the stuff you're doing now, so what can you give them? Yeah, you know, I definitely did not think that I would ever be in this position. If you had told me I'd be doing what I'm doing today uh, six years ago, I would have thought you were out of your mind. Um, but God has a plan for everyone. And one of the things that I think I've realized the most is that so much of our society is ruled by fear. Uh, we are taught to be fearful at a very young age, and it is reinforced on us. Um, and a lot of the actions that we take are done out of, of fear. Um, for me, for example, um, my family had no money. I knew that I couldn't afford to go to college, but darn if those high school counselors saying your whole life will be over if you don't go to school, you know, you, you'll be a loser if you don't go to school, doesn't make you take out loans, right? Like, and I took out a hundred, I had to pay back $150,000 in student loans and my parents had no money. Uh, it took me years to, to pay off those loans. Um, you know, when I broke past the fear complex and started doing things not because I was scared to do it, but because they were right, uh, because they were the morally right thing to do, the whole world opened up for me. So that is what I would recommend uh, for students, young students and young people today, even if you're not in college, that doesn't matter. Um, just try to do everything from a place of righteousness and not from a place of fear. That's so good. Isn't that good? Candace probably better than anybody lets her passions drive her and not her fears. And she's so bold as she was arguing with everyone in Congress. And I love that fierceness that she presents. She's obviously a very nice person, but when, she, when, the, when the time comes, she's very fierce. And I think that's what we appreciate about you. Well, specifically with this uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter issue right now, I think a lot of us are struggling with what to believe about these issues because... I don't think anybody in this room would disagree with the quote that black lives matter because black lives absolutely do matter. I think the issue is this organization, Black Lives Matter Inc., but a lot of people cannot delineate between the two. And I know that you know so much about this issue and maybe you can just educate 
the youth here and, and us all on, on how to approach this issue. You know, you're exactly right, and this is what goes back to what I was saying about the game of linguistics and saying something that you can't disagree with, water is wet, um, and not wanting you to read the fine print. And, you know, the fine print is that the founders of Black Lives Matter, the, if you look up the clips of the women talking, they tell you that they are proud Marxists. So the question is to ask yourself whether or not you agree with the tenets of Marxism, uh, you know, uh, which are, by the way, Marxist Karl Marx would have never had a society with black people in it. Uh, that's, that's one of the great ironies of the Black Lives Matter movement is that they say they're proud Marxists. Proud Marxists are people that are after the undoing of society. They're looking to, you know, to really sort of harp on that oppressor versus the oppressed narrative because it allows them to overthrow um, the institutions of government and gain power for themselves. And everywhere you look in the world, uh, since, since Karl Marx penned down his ideas, it's never worked. Um, and it's not going to be any different in this country. Um, the other thing is just check out what the statements are on the Black Lives Matter website. Do you agree with any of these statements? Do you agree with the breakdown of the nuclear family? Uh, do, you, do you agree with the, you know, just destroying the chances that children are given when they grow up in a two-parent solid home? Um, all of my answers to those questions are, are no. And, um, you know, it's, it's problematic, I think, right now. I think one of the greatest ills in our society today is white guilt. Um, and there's a great book, very, very quick read by Shelby Steele called White Guilt, um, and basically says that everything that's happening in society is because you allow something like Black Lives Matter, a statement that no one would disagree with, white lives matter, Chinese lives matter, Japanese lives matter, I mean, come on, this is common sense. Um, all lives do matter, but you allow a statement like that uh, to put you in a position of fear as a white person and say, I can't say that I disagree with this, otherwise I'm gonna be called a racist. That's the point, right? That's the point when you have movements, even like a different subject, the Me Too movement. Uh, I had tons of disagreements with it. I was one of the most outspoken people against it uh, because I realized this was a movement that was about undoing due process, right? No matter what, men are guilty, that's wrong. But to say that you disagree with the Me Too movement meant that you wanted women to be sexually assaulted. That's the point. This is why the left takes these, these subjects and complicates them and makes them complex. It's about censoring your speech and saying you're no, you're no longer allowed to speak about this topic. Um, and, and that's not fair. Um, you should always be allowed to speak, you know, and telling somebody that they're not allowed to speak because of the color of their skin is racist. And as a Caucasian male, if someone is saying black lives matter, I probably won't, you know, rub it in their face and say all lives matter. But I, I get the heart behind what you're saying, and what you're saying is so true because all lives do matter. And, and, and coming from you, I think, I think that's so true, um, and it's something that I think a lot of people can get behind because what you're doing, the way that you've communicated it, it transcends race, and, and you're so good at communicating, and I think God has really gifted you that way. Um, you're just you're so witty and quick on your toes, uh, but for a lot of people, they don't know how to communicate their ideas effectively without being called a racist. <laughs> and, and so we, sometimes people just want to post the black square and then just avoid the issue because, it's, because race is such a touchy topic. And you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to offend anyone. You want to win people over. You want to be loved by everybody. And so what do you tell people that, 
I say when it comes uh, to name calling, you just gotta, it's, it's like, you just gotta jump in the water. Um, it's 2020, if you haven't been called something, you haven't lived. I mean, I've been called a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, a self-hating black person, uh, Adolf Hitler supporter, a white supremacist, my favorite, that one's my favorite. <laughs> Um, and so my attitude has adjusted where I'm playing a game of Pokemon Go and I gotta catch them all. Well, with everything that's going on politically right now, with the pandemic, with, with the racial tension that's going on in this country, with hurricanes, uh, what do you have to say about how this president is handling it all? I mean, I, I can't imagine if we had the opposing, his opponent in 2016 in this office and how she would have done. And so um, what do you have to say about the president and getting out support and turning out people to support the president? And, and this organization, by the way, we unequivocally, as the 501c4 part, we unequivocally support Donald Trump. So that's where we're standing. Well, first, I'll correct you and say that if his opponent had won, none of this would be happening because they're the ones orchestrating the madness, um, <laughs> which is just a fact. Uh, but what I will say about the president and what is unique about the president and is an attribute that he and I both share is he's a happy warrior. Um, you know, this is not a person that goes in. If, you, if your attitude when you go into this fight is that it gets you down, if being called a name gets you really down or, or um, you internalize it, it's gonna be a really rough road for you. Um, the president has probably the best sense of humor of anyone that I've ever met. Um, he's pointedly hilarious. I'll tell a quick story um, that hopefully won't get him in trouble, but um, he's already in trouble, so I can't imagine he gets in more trouble. Uh, but the first time I went into the Oval Office, I was so nervous to meet him, obviously. I was standing in the Oval Office, and um, he sat down, and he's like, hey, like, how are you doing? Here's a pen. He's got these like awesome markers. He's like, let me tell you. And, and he's got his family there. Ivanka's there. And he's like, the first time I saw you on Fox News, I knew you were going to be a star. And he says, and I just want to say, he goes, you know, oh, no, no, he didn't say, I just want to say. And you know, I would say, you're very beautiful, but I don't want to get me too'd. I don't want to get me too'd. <laughs> So what I always say about the president is he's in on the joke. You know what I mean? He's in on the joke. He's self-deprecating. He has a sense of humor. I, you know, I've had lunch with him and my husband. And, you know, when impeach, impeachment hearings were going on, and he's super tuned in, and he, he's a happy warrior. And I think if he can deal with what he deals with on a daily basis, we can deal with what, with what we deal with on a daily basis. We can deal with crappy professors and crappy teachers um, and do our small part if it means standing up and saying what's right. I think something she said there was so true is that this may never have even happened if, if the Democrats were in office. Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. And what Democrats do so effectively is they create the chaos, and it's Saul Alinsky's playbook, and then they blame it on the other side, and then they're the ones to be the savior to fix it. And that's precisely what we've seen. Another good thing, just to reiterate what she said, is politics is serious business. Politics matters, but... Candace, she she, she's able to find the humor in some situations, and I'm sure that's probably what keeps her at peace. Yes, having a sense of humor uh, will always get you through anything, and I was actually just telling, is, is Robert Marling here? Where's Robert Marling? 
Not here. Oh, ah, there he is. I was just telling him a story um, at lunch. I, I got to have lunch with him and his wife, and um, I was telling him, he was asking me about security. People always ask me, you know, are you really concerned about your security? If, you know, someone's going to try to kill you. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And um, so <laughs> my husband and I were uh, in Croatia, and I get, we got a call from the FBI a couple of months ago in June. And they said, you know, first off, they were so sweet. They said, when your name came up with the FBI, we were so excited. The op we, all, we all fought for it. We wanted to take the case. <laughs> you know, that's A. B, someone's trying to kill you. And, um, <laughs> and then he said, um, you know, we found this account, and apparently liberals had created a GoFundMe to kill Candace Owens. And, yeah, oh, bad. But then in my head I went, but what were they raising money for exactly? <laughs> A flight, like I just sort of wanted a few more details about this, this GoFundMe page that the FBI had taken down. Um, and so, of course, you know, we take everything seriously, but it's also good to have a sense of humor because it just gets you through the day better. Um, so I encourage you to see the humor in, in things and, and not carry these things like a weight because they're meaningless and they're crazy. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, I think being light and having a positive, a positive perspective, it always wins, you know? That's so good. And Candace has a silent majority. She has so many people that are behind her. Am I right? And I want to encourage you guys, when you pray, to pray for Candace Owens because she's such an important, important voice in our culture and everything that she's doing. So pray for her and her husband and her family. The prayers definitely keep me safe. And I always say, guys, we're on the side of God. I mean, who wants to be against God, right? I mean, I feel like we've got this in the bag. We're team God. And so there's, there's that. That's so good. Because a lot of people say God's on our side, but the, listen to what she said. She said, you know, she's on God's side. And, and that's, that's a great mindset to have. Well, we got time for maybe uh, three or four questions, and we're gonna swiftly get through it. And then we're going to get out and go have some pictures with Candace before she has to take off. So um, let's, let's get up there, and you guys, um, let's, in an orderly fashion, let's try to get to some of these questions. We probably can only answer maybe um, maybe three or four, so we'll probably try to swiftly get through it. So um, first question, let's, let's go to the young woman over there. Please announce yourself your name and then ask your question. My name is Emma. Uh, my grandmother really loves you and I think it'd make her day if she got to meet you. Do you mind if I introduced you later? I'm sorry, I can't. Can you speak into the mic a little louder? Yes. Uh, my grandmother really loves you. Do you mind if I introduce you later? Oh yes, absolutely, that's totally fine. That's so Thank sweet. Thank you. I love grandmas. That's an easy question. That was an easy, that was very easy question. I love that. <laughs> awesome. You, sir. Hi, Candice. Uh, my name is Connor Ernest. I just really want to thank you for coming to the Woodlands, taking your time out to come speak to us down here in Texas. Uh, and with that being said, you're talking about linguistics, and uh, I mean, I really want to take that and bring it out to the real world, but you're saying, like, liberals use linguistics. How do we as conservatives use linguistics? The, I mean, the Woodlands, um, Montgomery County, Last election we voted, I think it was 72% Republican. Um, I feel like that's gonna change here 20 to 30 years from now because I see so many kids growing up as progressives because they don't really realize what they truly support. So how do we as conservatives use linguistics? I have to say, if, if I was speaking at, you know, in, in 
in front of an older crowd of conservatives, I'd be concerned. But I have to say, your generation gets it. And that's what I mean when I say, you know, I think liberals won TV, the generation of TV and radio, but conservatives are winning the internet, right? And I think, and I, I go back to pointing to culture and having a sense of humor. Um, I am so impressed with the memes that are coming out from your, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're hilarious. I must have spent, after the Cardi B beef, like, on, on Instagram looking at the memes that you guys created of me and her. And I was just like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen, right? So sometimes it's not even using words, but it's just using a picture uh, to convey an entire message that to me is so much more impactful than the older generation of conservatives where we're like, well, let's do a panel and we'll talk about this thesis paper we all read. And it's like, nobody wants to read it. Um, but this meme that took me two seconds, right? To understand what the point was. Um, it's, it's impactful. So I would say, uh, I know when I first got into the conservative movement, there was, a, I felt like a lot of people sort of turned up their nose, like what is this new you know, era of conservatism, which I think in large part is, I'm so grateful to Trump because he's so cultural and he gets it. Um, and it inspired the youth to move in a different way. And right now I think the conservative movement just feels fresher and it feels younger. Um, and that everything that we're doing right now, this is how we win. We know where the next generation of learners are. It's happening on social media. You've got one minute to make an impact and to make a statement, right? Um, so focus on that. Focus on, this is why the left is freaking out and wants Facebook to censor and Twitter to censor. Um, and, so, and social media giants want to just get rid of conservatives on the internet because we are winning in a really big capacity and that's what we need to keep up. Well, hi. I was just wondering if I could ask y'all's input on something that happened to me at school just today, actually, at the very end of my school day, the last 15 minutes of the day, I was in my government class, and I got pulled into the hallway by my dean of students, and I was wearing my, I, well, I have to wear a mask at school, and I've been wearing this mask for a couple um, weeks. On one side, it has the thin blue line flag. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I was wearing, for the majority of the day, I was wearing it on the Trump uh, it says keep America great side and during my eighth period class I got called into the hallway by my dean of students and she asked me to take it off because it was a sensitive subject and it was offensive um, and my school never really has declared exact boundaries about masks just not for them to be offensive but I feel like that's way too subjective of a boundary to set and I just wonder if I could get y'all's input on how I could handle that with my school. You wear the mask tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. That's good. If you're going to wear a mask, wear the mask that you want to wear. Exactly. Um, hi, I was just wondering, you know, all this bad stuff is happening with COVID and BLM and just all this crazy stuff. Where, where would you like to see America in 10 years? What's your vision or hope for the future? Um, that is a big question. Um, the America that I'd like to see in 10 years is the America that I saw 10 years ago. Uh, maybe the, actually I would say longer than 10 years ago. I always say the 90s is, was the golden decade um, when none of this existed and people got along. I, I have like fond memories of the beeper my dad used to have because I, I'm telling you at that time, um, it was the, the land before Facebook and Twitter um, and girls worrying about Snapchat at 11 years old. 
Um, you know, we've become an increasingly narcissistic society, um, which I think is worrisome. We're not allowing kids to grow up. I mean, I was like the fuggliest person ever in middle school. I had braces and underbite, and I thought I looked good, right? It's <laughs> like, I am looking good today. Uh, I look back on pictures now and I cringe, but, um, you know, the point is, is that we, we had a more innocent society, uh, I, I think, 20 years ago. Uh, and that's sort of all been taken away and, and every, it seems like every single thing in society is now politicized. You can't eat at Chick-fil-A without it being politicized. Um, and when, I'd like to see society actually go backwards, which is ironic because, of course, the whole left, the idea is that society has been terrible forever and we need to bring us to some utopian future, socialist future that doesn't exist. But no, America's gotten it right um, before, and they're trying to undo all of that rightness. So I, I guess my answer would be bring back the Spice Girls in the 90s. Thank you. I know where I'd like to see America in 10 years. I think Candace should run for something. What do you guys think? Okay. If we the Spice time? Girls sing it at my inauguration, I'll do it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, uh, so we got time for one more question. I'm All right. sorry, guys. I, uh, I hate when we have to stop the questions. So but... we got time for one more uh, question. Really nice Tell to meet name. you. Uh, my name is Tamon Hamlet, student at University of Houston. I'm a very huge fan. Uh, you inspired me a lot to uh, come out as a conservative. Um, and I wanted to ask you more about uh, how conservatives can make an impact on culture. You know, I think with social media, it's so filled with uh, Democrats and liberals. They have such a monopoly on social media. And I think uh, that makes conservatives too afraid to speak out. Um, we also have elected officials who don't even use social media. Uh, so what do you say to people on how they can make a cultural impact more specifically? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would, again, say that this is more of a critique of the older generation of conservatives uh, who, you are right, don't understand the power of social media, which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's you know, every generation, the technology is new, and you can't always keep up with the technology. Um, but one of the most frustrating things that I hear conservatives say is, oh, I just, I, I like Trump, but I just wish he would stop tweeting. And it's like, guys, he should never stop tweeting. That's how he won, right? Um, and I, I, I do think that culture, actually, Andrew Breitbart said a long time ago, and it's so accurate, this quotation, that politics is downstream from culture. So I'm going to repeat that again. Politics is downstream from culture. Conservatives stopped playing upstream for a long time. Um, I don't know what the idea was, if it was maybe we just were too pretentious and said, oh, we don't do that, we don't do humor, we don't do fun, uh, we don't do culture. And the truth is, is that that's exactly how we handed over the keys to the left to destroy everything because they played upstream. Um, and I think, um, again, I, I feel confident that this next generation of conservatives will be playing upstream, and we're already seeing so much of that on TikTok, which I'm going to start a TikTok, guys. I'm going to make... <laughs> but I think I need to be, like, the opposite of me. Like, I think I need to be, like, woke candy, you know, and just be, like, super leftist and wear a, wig or, a blue wig or something. Um, but keeping up, yeah, keeping up with the pace of all of the changing technologies um, and, and 
if you're going to address culture, not being fearful to go after, as I mentioned earlier, go after the idols. I mean, there's, it's, it's fun. It's fun when Cardi B writes back to you and says, like, she wants her taxes raised. I mean, her taxes lowered, but free everything, right? It's fun because we get to expose them for who they are and get to show that we're on the side of truth, we're on the side of facts, and that's why we will be on the right side of history. That's awesome. Thank you. So, Candace, as we close, and I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to her podcast uh, with PragerU, and so you can do it on Apple Podcast, and so give her a five-star review and uh, write something really nice so that that would be great. And also go to Blexit, give, donate, uh, stay up with what she's doing because she's really reaching a lot of people uh, all throughout the country. She's doing a great job. Um, so tell us the best way to stay in touch with you, your Twitter and Instagram handles, and yes. everybody go follow her. Definitely on social media. Um, you can pick up my book, guys. We broke 100,000 sales in 24 hours, which is incredible. Um, thank you. I think we're actually selling it outside, too. Um, and, um, you know, you can just follow me, CandaceOwens.com, and, of course, the organization, that uh, the not-for-profit that Brandon and I started, Blexit.com, is close to my heart, and it's just amazing to see so many minorities waking up and realizing um, you are not a black person, you are not a Spanish person, you are an American, first and foremost. So true. Well... God bless Candace Owens, right? Thank you guys so much. So Thank you. 